Virginia, William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. This is Jenna Burt, host of the Confessions of a Military Spouse podcast. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. everyone we're back with another no filter friday on public house media where we cover all things hashtag me too from inside hollywood and i am here with a fellow documentarian alana defratis um and we got in touch on instagram because you're making a me too documentary i before the tidal wave i made a documentary about slut shaming and sexual gender-based violence around the world so like i feel like we know each other already because that struggle <laughs> is so unique yeah um social media has a way of bringing people together in, a, in support of a common cause for sure absolutely so um so you have this uh production company going mm-hmm. how is that how did that come about well the production company came about uh a couple of years beforehand, I had moved out to LA to pursue acting and uh, ended up deciding that I didn't like all the casting briefs that I was getting where I had to be like the dumb girlfriend or go topless or something. So I ended up writing my own film and acting in that. So that was how the production company started. Um, that is amazing. That's such a boss move. <laughs> <laughs> but then, thank you. But then the, um, the doc came about so I guess back when the Me Too movement started, um, I noticed that there was this undercurrent of dialogue that was was coming out of like, oh, yeah, but why now? Why did they wait so long to say something? And it was very, like, discrediting and invalidating. And I, I took it personally because, you know, when everybody was – uh, doing their hashtag me too statuses when that was blowing up, I had drafted my own, um, hashtag me too tweet and it, you know, had no specifics in it. It was something very general and very vague. And then I found myself paralyzed. I couldn't post it. I couldn't put it out into the world. And I was like, and, and, you know, my experiences are probably the tip of the iceberg compared to other people's experiences. And I, I was like, people don't understand how hard it is to come out and say something like that, to, ha- to put it out into the world, to have your family, your friends, every potential new partner know intimate details about you. Um, and it, it sort of started to, like, be a seed that was, like, growing in my mind. And then there were, like, just sort of, like, milestones in my life where it, it something would happen and I would it, it would grow a little bit more into an idea and then eventually 
I was like, okay, no, like I, I need to address this. I need to make a documentary and, and understand what are the reasons that do keep people silent because I think unless you address that, you know, there's a plethora of Me Too documentaries in the works, but I don't think anything is really addressing all of the like factors yeah right there's and there's so many different things it's like how you raise where you were raised um you know what community you're part of if you're part of a church you know just simply the fact that it happened before the me too movement gave people the power to to come out and say something if you're a child and you didn't even know it was abuse there are just so many factors and i think you know people need to understand the way that their language affects survivors and that in itself contributes to people not coming forward so um yeah oh, I started- absolutely. especially when you're and it's, it's not just like friends and family and stuff like it's law enforcement the po- if if and when you do go to the police right 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 you, why did you wait so long uh this like do you yeah. even do you even mean this like it's right. so hard to get a police report and yeah. i think that goes double for hollywood or any high crime area and it's also it's like social media, so the media. Yeah. It's like you're just swamped with it everywhere you look. It's, it's you know, under the radar. It's not totally overt and in your face, but it's there. It's definitely there everywhere you go. So um, it started kind of that I was just collecting um, statistical data uh, and I surveyed hundreds of people. You know, it started with an Instagram account and uh, then I built a following and um, people were contacting me about it. And so I was like, okay, let's like collect this data. And then as part of the data, I had asked people, you know, to leave their details if they were interested in discussing more. And I was like inundated with people who wanted to discuss it more. And so I've done a gazillion interviews with people um, about their experiences with sexual assault and what contributed to them reporting versus not reporting. And also if they did report, would they report again? And a staggering Ooh, amount would say a, no. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and yeah, so now we're, we're at the point where we're ready to go out for funding and put the, put the documentary into production. So yeah, it's an exciting time. And, and I, you know, I've spoken with a lot of companies about it already and I have so many people who are excited to get on board with it. I just, it's really about creating the right team because it, like it's, I think it's going to be really powerful and it's such an important piece. I need to make sure that I have the right people with the right motivation motivations on board. Oh, absolutely. Because as soon as you start putting things out, like you're going to get these phone calls and it's like people that are trying to put their hands like in right. the pot and they have these like stipulations mm-hmm. and stuff. Like it was shocking to me when I first put out a teaser for my documentary, um, like who, who called and was like, Oh, Hey, so I think this, and like, you're going to need money, right? Like you need money. And I'm like, Nope, I don't please mm, mm-hmm, promptly mm-hmm. go away. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also want to make sure that they have the right vision for like where they see this going in terms of distribution, because 
I need people to see it. I need eyes on it. And that is, that actually, honestly, is going to be the hardest part of doing this documentary. Putting it together, not a problem in the world. Getting the right eyes on it, because people like you and I will watch it. But that's like preaching to the converted. You know what I mean? I need people who who think, you know, oh, well, they should have said something at the time. I need those people to watch it. And they're going to be the harder ones to convince. So I want to, I want to partner with a company that has like a strong, marketing presence and and can get an audience have you in. thought about doing tug i haven't heard of tug what is tug tug is a it's just it's this thing i haven't done it but i have had friends that have done tug with their films um just to reach mm-hmm. a different audience than they would normally get through like the traditional like theatrical channels um mm. and basically you find a tug host in whatever area that wants to tug your film into you know a theater there in their town and they like set the pricing etc and then they host the screening of your movie and hopefully especially in somebody's case like yours um it would be a way for the converted to find other people to convert you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're living in such an era of like personal stories and like finally coming forward and like there's a there is a community in that for sure like yeah and I always say that, like, sex crimes are, like, the perfect crime from the perpetrator standpoint because, like, your victim doesn't want to report you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I always somebody- say that it's that sexual crimes are, like, stealing. They're a crime of opportunity. Like, if you – because Absolutely. you're not doing it when people are around watching, generally speaking, uh-huh. you know. It's when you've got someone alone, when they trust you, you're taking advantage, and that's the same as theft. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. For sure. You're totally right. Oh, what a, what a crazy world we live in. But <laughs> I, know. I mean, I think, I think you're kind of embarking on a new like genre, so to speak, um, living in the era of me too. And that yeah. now that like there is a possibility for conversation about it because before, mm. before the Harvey Weinstein story broke to the world, like everybody in town knew this, obviously. Um, right. Except for mm-hmm. Meryl Streep, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, except for Meryl, everybody except Meryl Streep. Um, she had no idea. She was completely clueless. Um, out of the loop. <laughs> out of the loop. Like, the, you know, there was no way that this would ever yeah. even be talked about because people are uncomfortable talking about it. I was actually doing an interview this morning at the, at like 5 a.m. about, oh, wow. <laughs> about like, <laughs> Because it's interview day. Happy yeah. Wednesday, y'all. Um, <laughs> about how, like, companies can find a way to, like, have a safe environment or promote a safe environment for these, like, what were once, like, taboo, sensitive subjects. And that comes from having, you know, a leader to be like, it's okay to talk about this. It's right. Not. Like, yeah. Just. Mm-hmm it out they're just words the worst is already over it already happened right and that's exactly the same sort of thing that people need to think about in their homes like if you're a parent and you're watching the news and you you're seeing another me too story and you're saying yeah but why didn't they say something at the time you're you know five-year-old who's sitting there who had their teacher fondle them last week is saying oh i didn't say something at the time so i can't say something now so it's just about like perpetuating that cycle and and that's you know really what the aim of this doc is to to break that break behaviors break cycles open eyes absolutely because Mm -hmm. like that you know that's 100 percent true because 
people just, especially when you're talking about children and they're the most at risk, Mm -hmm. um, they have no clue what to do. And if they have a parent or people around them that are like, uh, no, gross, don't talk about that or the other thing is to be a leader, you know, so much of the time, and this is, you know, I've been to so many seminars on like the way that the brain copes with sexual assault and the things that it tells you, like often you can be an adult and fully aware of what sexual assault is and not recognize it for what it is because your brain does that to protect you. And, yeah. and you know, so many people when I was initially co- collecting that statistical data would write in the like free type space, um, I'm not sure if this counts as sexual assault, but blah, blah, blah. And it is clearly, very clearly sexual assault. And, and you know, it kind of like begs the question is like, are we not, you know, the, the, the conversation around sexual assault isn't even clear enough that people are not thinking that anything outside of straight out rape is sexual assault like absolutely well Germany had that issue Mm, mm -hmm. Um, they didn't have the capacity in their law to differentiate between rape molest sexual assault like they just Uh didn't have these things unless it was like forced phallic penetration into a vagina it Uh wasn't illegal in Germany and then when they had that New Year's Eve attack in Cologne, they were like, Mm. had 600 police reports and basically nothing to do with them because the overwhelming majority of it wasn't technically illegal. Right. Mm -hmm. Despite how horrific it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So you're right. Like those, those things, like we just don't necessarily define that with language off tops, but it's, um, you know, one of the better ask. <laughs> one of the most. This is not something that's entirely related to my documentary, but it's just like interesting anecdotal information. I was at a seminar one time again about the way that the brain copes with sexual assault, and um, there was a scientist there. Her name escapes me right now, but um, she she was you know there. They were talking about, you know, it's the same for if you're a veteran of war or any type yeah. of PTSD type uh, incident. Trauma. Yeah, trauma. Yeah. Um, and I, I went up to her after the seminar and I said to her, you know, I've spoken to so many people and there's a common thread. So many people, like a dispor- disproportionate amount will say, I feel like I have walked around with a target on my back because it's not just been like, one sexual assault it's been numerous throughout their life by different people and and I was I said to her you know is this what you're talking about with the way that you know the brain changes behaviors and can actually put you in more um dangerous situations or is it pheromones or what and and she said to me and this blew my mind that um one of her colleagues had done a study where they took a bunch of male prison inmates um, for all different crimes, you know, corporate crimes, fraud, theft, uh, murder, rape, yeah, the whole thing, sexual crimes, and then they took uh, a whole heap of women, you know, some sexual assault survivors and some not, and they got them all to wear these T-shirts for a week. Then they took the T-shirts and they swapped them over and they told them all they told the men to go to the T-shirts that they were attracted to and all the sexual criminals were attracted to the pheromones of the sexual assault survivors. And it was like 
they they know you they can smell you know like you can't escape oh, that definitely. dr drew talked about that a, a few years ago because there was a girl that like called into like love line or whatever and right. she's like can these guys tell that i've been whatever before and he said it's not a conscious thing but yes like i don't want to call it damage because that's not a nice thing to say but like right the, mm-hmm. the lasting effects of these things like yeah it prints on people in a chemical way right. and yes they right. can smell it like quite literally it's insane but the crazier thing was that all of the sexual assault survivors were attracted to the pheromones of the sexual criminals as well oh isn't that Dr. Drew didn't talk about that that's no, wild that, that, like really I just like I don't even know what to do with that information it just is like it, it makes you feel like there's no way around it. So yeah. anyway, it was very, yeah, very I mean, interesting. They talk about how, like, and so I shouldn't even say they because I talk about this all the time too. But like a lot of times, people that are sexual predators are not the scary monsters that no. we make them out to be in film or TV. They're soccer coaches. They're or, your uncle. They're your neighbor. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And they're your friend. They're your boyfriend. They're, yeah. they're anybody. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've grown up in this culture where, you know, women don't have ownership over their own bodies and men feel like they do. And so they don't – like nobody thinks of themselves as the bad guy and they don't think they're being the bad guy. They're just grown up with being entitled. It's the same thing, you know, when people grew up with having slaves, that was normal. They felt entitled. And and we're still trying to break that behaviour about, you know, men's entitlement to women's bodies or, you know, it's not even about men and women, you know, there's children being sexually assaulted. It's just like taking advantage, people taking what they think is they have a right to take. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes people squirm a lot too, especially mm. when we're trying to have these conversations about like gender-based violence and this, that, and the other thing. Like that's what makes people, you know, squirm be like, oh, well, not all men. And it's like, mm, no, not all, but right. you know, as a species, like we don't really know which one's which. Off because top. people like, want to find feel out. safe. And yeah. you only feel safe if you think of rape or sexual assault as the fight for your life, drag you down an alleyway, violent, stranger danger rape. And that's not what 98% of rapes are. They're mostly people you know, people who have access to you, people that you trust who can get you alone in that situation. And that's that's when it happens. So I, I think, though, that it, people have a hard time computing that this could happen to anyone, anywhere, from anyone, and, and yeah, that, and that is what happens. somebody that you do know. It's not right. like it's – it's not often the drag you down an alleyway type of a thing. It's like, very rare. Very small percentage of, of sexual assault is by strangers. Yeah. It's um it's usually and like the grooming process of that too, of like and I think that's mm. another conversation that is heavily underrepresented, especially when it comes to kids and things like that, is like knowing the signs of grooming. What are right. they trying to oh, what yeah. are they trying to give you, trying to get you alone, try you know what I mean? Like what are the what are the red flags to look for? Because a lot of times, especially kids don't know, but like Right. Yeah, we're we, feeling about our daily lives. Like we don't necessarily pick up on all of that. Right. And that's the thing. Again, we teach our kids about stranger danger, which absolutely we should, but 
again, more often than not, it's not the strangers. It's the people you trust with your children. And I heard this thing one time long ago, and it has stuck with me, that you should teach your children, if anybody tells you to keep a secret, that's what you need to tell me. And I think Mm. if I ever have children, that's what I need to remember to teach them. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Like that's the first thing that you need to tell me. Oh, for uh-huh. sure. My uncle was uh-huh. sitting in prison for 25 years because he is a convicted pedophile because he molested his stepdaughters. Oh, and that's awful. It's like, it's the people that are, you know, sitting across the dinner table from you. Uh-huh. It's not uh-huh. necessarily uh-huh. the guy that's sitting behind the dumpster. Like it could be, but yeah. Like, we're yeah. not going to rule him out, but... And again, it's, that's it's what makes it so hard for people to come out and report because they don't want to break up their families or, like, you know, destroy relationships and, and create rifts in their friendship groups. It, it, it's it's not just as simple as reporting. There's, like, a domino effect of how that impacts their greater world because generally they are people in their lives that are people they know are also friends with or family with. So... Yeah, there's yeah, a whole gamut of things that contribute. Providers. I went to one of the first places I went right. was Jamaica because over 40% of the Jamaican population, their first sexual experience is either coercion or straight up rape. And mm-hmm. they say, not nobody would really talk to me like on the record, but I got a lot of information mm. on the street, <laughs> you know, like yeah. off the record. <laughs> and everybody said that like, you know, these places, these islands, et cetera, with these like super high unemployment numbers, you know, if that person's a breadwinner and they're the only person working, not only is the family going to cover for them because that's like their, you know, mm-hmm. their meal ticket, mm-hmm. but that person also even feels more entitled, right? Yeah, over these bodies around them because they're the, they're the provider. So, like, what are you going to do? Nothing, right? And that mm-hmm. that's the thing is like, I saw this thing a while ago, but it's like, you know, people think that sexual sex crimes are like uh, you know sexual or aggression that became sexual or sexual like sexual tension that became aggressive and it's not the truth it's not true it's the other way around Mm -hmm. it's that aggression became sexualized right more often than not it has very little to do with the actual act of sex it's about the power it's about the power 100 over Mm -hmm. the other person um yeah I went to a couple refugee camps in Germany um, and I was talking to like a, a few therapists about like what on earth in these, like in that situation, like why would you want, <laughs> like if that's where your life is, you're living in a refugee camp because you came from whatever right. country that you can't go back to. Like, how is it, how are you even thinking about like, you know what I want to do? I want to go rape somebody today. Like really? Right. Seriously? Right. Like, uh-huh. Do you not have other priorities? And like, uh-huh. well, when you're, and they said like, well, when you're living in that, like sort of like lowest of low situation, like people of that mindset are looking for ways to like make themselves above other people. So you're not mm. the lowest rung. So it's the speak. same with like prison rape. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm sure there's just like general sexual frustrations they need to get out as well. But yes, absolutely. There is the whole like you have no power in your life and exerting power over other people has to play into it. Absolutely. It's it's a it's a really wild power dynamic that I think when you're just going about your life and like not necessarily, (laughs) um, Mm. you know, having these sorts of issues that you even think about, but it's a major contributing factor to 
the problems we have as a species overall. And I that think solutions. It, it'd be interesting to see in this like Me Too era if rape statistics are going up and down, up, up or down, because, you know, women are stepping up and kind of claiming, stepping into their space and owning more. And I wonder if, I mean, I know that men are feeling threatened by that. We're not trying to take a piece of your pie, bro. We're just trying to get some for ourselves. Or just be left alone to eat the slice we already have. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, though, if feeling threatened by that would contribute to rape statistics going up. I wonder wonder if, yeah. Because I, I mean, if you don't yeah. think that the abortion laws coming in was a tit for tat for the Me Too movement, uh, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that was a get back in your box and mind your mouth. That's what that was. Um, well, now that Harvey Weinstein has been, you know, freshly, freshly convicted on mm-hmm. one coast, and he'll probably get convicted on the West Coast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think so. that's kind of like the shot heard around the Me Too world for now, anyway. Because yeah, though that he didn't get convicted of the most two more serious charges yeah. is like I think that leaves a kind of question mark for a lot of people. Like, how seriously are we taking this? It, it was it like a a token? I mean, I think I I think on the West Coast, just because the entertainment industry is so prevalent here it would be interesting to see because you could go one way you could go entertainment industry and it's been primarily the entertainment industry that has been stepping up and being like no this is bull we're not taking this anymore but at the same time have you had a lot of friends here so it would be interesting Mm -hmm. to see how that plays out yeah it's Mm. well they had a hard enough time putting a jury together for him in new york in la it's going to be impossible (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly have to fly people in (laughs) It's going to be ridiculous. Like, who who's going to get called up for jury duty on this monstrosity? <laughs> right. But I think um, I, t- I had a guest a while back, um, Robert Candell, the mantor, who is just, oh, I adore him so much. He's such an interesting person. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I interviewed him, he talked about how, like, you know, men were given the script and now it's, like, no good. Like, it doesn't work for them anymore. And now they're feeling... <laughs> Uh, you know, they're they're in their feelings about it. I blame Drake, but apparently there's like a scientific <laughs> reason for this. Um, but I think I think the other part of that too, of like being like, no, we're not gonna take this anymore, this is wrong. But I do think we have a, a younger generation that like this has gotta stop. Like this is gross. Like we don't want to participate the, in this and we don't want to hang out with anybody that does. We don't want to work with anybody that does. We want we don't want to have familial binds with anybody that does. And I think that's like a new generation that's, you know, as a whole, male, female doesn't matter. I think they're kind of the in-between generation. Like they 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 are mixed with uh, attitudes. I think it's I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I'm. I'm not going to say how old I am. I'm of childbearing age. I think it's on my generation to make sure that we raise our children, women that they can say no and that they have ownership over their own body and boys that they need to be asking for consent and they need to have respect and that and that they can't just take everything that they see and they want. Like it's about 
like these children that are going to be born now that are the ones that we have the chance to fully yeah, shape that we and have mold. A chance to, you're right. It is right. a full shape and molding of like, this is okay. This is not. And I think a lot of this comes from too, especially because I spend a lot of time in Asia, like parents yeah. that are uncomfortable and unwilling to talk to their kids about what that what healthy sexual relationships look like Mm -hmm. and you know i to quote jamila jamil um you know enthusiastic consent if it's not mutual it's not fun right 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 yeah you feel like oh if i ask they're gonna say you know you're not gonna get the answer that you want then why would you even want to be participating in this anyway like right why on earth would you want somebody that doesn't want you like Uh uh-huh like that's that's gross in itself yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's a twisted psychology, isn't it? Yeah, we have so much. We have so much work to do to remedy yeah. these situations. What? Um, so it's what's- like once we got started, then we started to realize how many issues there really were. That it that it was a bigger mountain than we even realized. But I mean, I think we've got very determined people who are who are here for the cause and will not give up. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, too, is like, it's global. It's not just in Hollywood. It's not just in New York. It's mm-hmm. not just in like the English speaking world. It's everywhere. I've spoken to me to Ethiopia. There's me to Germany. There's me to India. There's me oh, to India. Oh, India's huge. I, I you know, I have so many people from India reaching out to me on a daily basis. And yeah, it is. It's insane what goes on over there. It really is. I just spent two weeks there mm. this past month and then two weeks in October as well. It is. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and that was the part that I ended up there because of my documentary in the first right. place. Um, mm-hmm. I was interviewing girls that live in an acid attack survivor house um, mm. that have had their faces burned off for having the audacity to turn down a marriage proposal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They, you're like, yeah, I think you're a dick. I don't want to marry you. And they throw acid on their face. Like, see, you're a dick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was right. <laughs> I was right. Turn, yeah. Thanks for proving me right. Mm. Moron. Like, yeah, just oh, the craziness in this world. But I feel like if we're all talking about it and we're all communicating, okay, girl, what are your problems over here? What are your problems over here? And we try to like communally solve something or at least help somebody out. I think yeah. we're making progress. And <clears throat> I hosted – um a panel of like me too accusers, like official ones that are like involved in lawsuits, et cetera. Okay. Um, at the female filmmaker fuse film festival. Cause that's a lot of F's um, <laughs> in November. And a lot of these ladies who were, you know, officially accusing Harvey Weinstein, officially accusing James Franco were like, you know, this has taken over my life. It's taken my health. It's taken everything from me and I'm not making any progress. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's what they want you to think. We're making mm-hmm. progress. It's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Like at the very, at the very, very least they're shaking in their shoes and they're crying in their suit. Maybe not publicly, but they are behind closed doors. And that's right. where, that's where it counts. Yeah. First of all, second of all, we're making headway. We're sitting around talking about this and saying, um, no, we're not doing this anymore. This is right. a, it's a wrap on all of this disgustingness. Like nobody's right. here for it. Not and right. honestly, like this is it. Like this right here in the trenches. Like someone listens to this and goes, "I've got my courage right now, and I'm going to do something about this." Like it's the littlest things that can make Absolutely. a difference. It really is. Absolutely. It's people feeling like they have a community. 
for sure. And that they are making a difference, even if it's not for themselves, it's for somebody else. Right. Um, when I was in India in October, there was a girl, this is so horrible. There was a girl that accused her principal, her school principal of molesting her, mm. like formally, legally, which is a whole mess of a situation right. there. Uh-huh. And they caught her and they took her on the roof and they burned her alive. This was and where? This was, it was in Bangladesh. Uh, right? For, for what reason? For like having sex outside of marriage or something? No, because she reported her school principal for molesting her. Like she had the audacity to report. <sighs> um, and they burned her alive. There was like five guys that got involved in this, burned her alive. And... That is just so messed up. Yeah. Back when I first started visiting that part of the world, nothing would have happened. Like no press coverage. Nobody would have cared. Nobody would have said anything. It mm. just would have been yet another horrific story that, you, you know, you hear in villages, not even in the media or anything. Um, but as horrible as that is, they caught the guy the, from public outcry, from getting media coverage and from the community being like, no, this is gross. This is wrong. They caught the guys that did it. They were tried, and they're up for the. They're getting the death penalty. So, Good, and hopefully that sends a message. Exactly, like it's that is a completely brand new thing for there, and it's mm. because of having these conversations, right? In, and social you know, media, and yeah. like a general awakening around the world. And, yeah. and and look, there's a lot of bad that comes with social media, but there's also a lot of good. Like you learn a lot about the world and, and it does break down barriers and create community cross country communities. And, and I think that For that's sure. you kind have of to rely on whatever mainstream media allows to be said. Like you get, it's right, from the right, course. right. And people in these, you know, countries who don't have it as good as we have it realize, oh, hang on, I, I don't have to live a life like this. I can fight to have it the way that they have it over there. And yeah, it's, it's, um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you have to take the good with the bad. There's pros and cons to everything. Absolutely. You have to take the good with the bad and just maximize the good as most as you possibly can. And keep mm-hmm, it pushing, mm-hmm. you know, like we all have to move forward. Like it's not going anywhere. Like it's right. here to stay. <laughs> That's for and sure. We just, we just have to rock with it and keep it, keep it going. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, are you, are you on, what are your social medias? I know you have. You, I know so you have I, Instagram. yeah, our Instagram at the moment is um, me two times up. Great. That's our documentary mm-hmm. handle. Uh, we are still finalizing the name of our documentary, so that handle will change shortly. Um, but at the moment, that's what it is. And my personal one is Alana underscore Defreitas. So A-L-A-N-A underscore D-E-F-R-E-I-T-A-S. Lovely. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I can't. I of course. Can't Thank you for having me. The, the the people all the people that listen to my show are like what's the tea and I feel like we spilled so much tea so much tea like, <laughs> yeah it's lots of fun yeah. yeah 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 we got through a Which lot is, <laughs> yeah I mean like word on the street is fun but like statistic like hard fact fun mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of tea. so that is enough no filter Friday on public house media check out other shows on the network like um choose to rise and cj and sell and we have a couple uh new shows coming out very very soon so thank you alana for coming on and that that is enough bye bye kids see you next week